Hey, Richard. Hey, Eric. What's going on? Not much. What's going on with you? Just sitting here recording an episode of our Star Trek podcast. We really need to get an intro for this, like a little, little thing that we can have, you know, like a captain's log. It's uh, June 38th, and, you know, we're in the room recording. Number one, don't think it's necessary. Number two, there is no June 38th. In space, there is. Ah. I am sure there is some planet where they have a 38-day June. Uh, I, I guess. Sure. I mean, time Maybe. isn't real. You can just make these things up. I mean, there, we, there's no reason we don't have like one 365 day month and then like one one day month. We could do that. We could do that. It I would, mean, it, it, there's a reason that they're all around the same length, but they don't have to be. It would be a little hard to keep track of. I don't know why they just made, you know, it didn't take like two days from other months and give them to February. Like, I really don't know why that is. Um, I Is feel like, I feel like I used to know that, yeah. but I don't know. Hmm. Um, I think February is probably the shortest month because, because it sucks he, the most. No, because his mother smoked when she was pregnant with February. Oh, okay. It's kind of a shame. It happens. You yeah. Know? And then, 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 then you get like that weird, like complexion, you know, like you, like you, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we have a name for the show. What's the name? Trek about. Okay. The best of bad options. <laughs> we really struck. That was like the first name we came up with like months ago. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, I came up with that months ago. And we we're like, what a terrible name. We're and not going to use that name ever. Cut, That's awful. Just cut to two months later. You know, hi, we're Trek about. Right. Well, the thing is, of course, is that this is not going to be news to anybody who's listening to this because the name, the, the, the three previous episodes that we have recorded were released under that name. We just didn't know that at the time. Oh my god, so it's like future us and our listeners have more knowledge than past us. Yeah, but future us will also have more knowledge than past us. Yes, that's what I just said. Mm, pasta. I love pasta. Let's just get pasta tonight. So today we are talking about Mud's women yeah. and where... Where the little girls come from. What are little girls made of? <sighs> I didn't know the name of that episode because, wow, what a bad episode. Uh, I didn't like either of these episodes. Well. This, this was a bad run of this. Yeah, these two are fairly terrible episodes. <laughs> uh, Mud's Women, I feel, is slightly better. Than because it has a gay pirate. Where what are little girls made of? And literally every time I want to say <laughs> what are little girls made of, I have to look at my notes because I cannot remember the name of the episode. Well, because it, it sounds like one of those things like it can't be that that's too like pervy of a title to call it that like they wouldn't call it like you think you're just like making the wrong name. But no, that's literally what they call it. And it has nothing to do with the episode. Really? Well, they make a little girl at one point or something. I they don't they don't do that. They yeah. did nothing. It has nothing to do with that at all. Well, maybe it's one of those things like where if you, you know, it's it's like a Smashing Pumpkins song. You know, it doesn't really have anything to do with the name of the song where they just called it that. Is that where Billy Corgan got the idea from? Yeah. You know, he was a big Star Trek. Come on. Billy Corgan fucking loves Star Trek. You can tell just by looking at him. He was, he's a big geek. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, not a very nice person to be around. Yeah, so uh, Mud's Women, we'll talk about that one first. Um, not a great episode. Pretty bad, actually. But it's important because the character of Mud. Yeah. I can't remember his full name. Because Mud. his full name is Mud. <laughs> his name is Mud. It's like, like what, Phineas or something? I don't know. I 
thought it was Harry. Harry Mudd. Yeah, Herbert. I don't know. He Henry. Was pre- he, he was Harry Potter. So Harry Potter and the women. Well, according to the future police record of Harry Mudd. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, there's really not that much to say, I guess, uh, about this episode. Basically, Harry Mudd is a space pimp, and he's also kind of weird. And he's selling women to space miners. And so he has various problems that go along with that. Yeah, and I... I gotta say it right out uh the women themselves say you know gee there's really no one on our planets and you know we're lonely and the miners are just kind of there mining and they want some command so i don't see what the problem is here like i don't see why it's bad that he's you know space pimping because they all everybody seems kind of like happy with this arrangement he's just seeing a market you know making this connection and you know Making a little money. Yeah, and yeah, he's a crook. He's a total crook in the episode, but he's not, like, evil. Well, this is a real thing that happened, right? Like, yeah. this used uh, this... to happen in the 19th century, and this has happened all over the world. Oh, yeah. I think specifically this episode was based on the whole 19th century frontier wife yeah, concept. Yeah, which you know? was, again, that was very common, and that's, yeah, how most of the... But, of course, we have that nowadays. You know, I mean, Russian brides yeah. are, you know, a famous thing. Um, yeah, again, I figure that as long as everyone's treating each other right, you know, that well, there's the nothing thing, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, but the, thing but the about, show finds it wrong. Well, the show finds it wrong, but I also think there's something really interesting here, which is that the miners are kind of dicks. Yeah. Like, they are. They're just dicks. Yeah. Like, especially the one guy. There's two guys who were kind of like, yeah, okay, these women are cool. Like, they'll cook for us and they'll clean for us and they'll do these things. Um but the one miner who's the main miner, the, yeah. the main miner, the, the minor main, main miner, main who just miner. happens to be you know matched with the main woman. Exactly. Weird. Well, how would that happen? I don't uh, know. He really doesn't like her. Doesn't want her to stay around. Um, also, it, it, the entire episode is just bizarre because it. I think one of the reasons why it's so bizarre is that Captain Kirk is really coming at it from like a sideways perspective like he doesn't really seem to have control of the situation and he doesn't really seem to engender any sort of respect in anyone mud doesn't respect him the women don't respect him the miners miners don't respect him because they're hiding dilithium from him and he's ostensibly a captain in the army or whatever yeah and that that was actually a question to me because mud seems to have an idea that he can have a lot more control over the ship, then of course he ends up having. But if this was a military vessel, I mean, someone like him would likely never think, "Oh well, I can own you know this ship. I could totally take control." Because again, it's military, you know? right? It, I it seems like the kind of thing that if this were a private vessel, he could be making, you know. And honestly, I think that's a that's a good uh, that's a good uh, um, point. Point. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point, and I think also it, it just goes to show you that. Uh, they didn't really have yeah. a, a strong grasp on what exactly the whole military government, yeah. like what exactly this ship was. They're wearing uniforms and whatever, but, it, yeah. you know, I mean, the fact that they run out of dilithium and then they're like, well, we can pay you for it. I mean, I guess on the one hand, I can understand the miner's position because if some, you know, uh, American ship pulled into, you know, some random uh, country port and it was like, we need fuel give it to us they might not want to yeah but you know you would also think that there would be a you know one would think that there would be arrangements kind of already made or that you know 
they the government would have had you know certain contracts out or whatever you know either way you say look you know you have a resource we need you know here's the here's who you're going to talk to you know here's the procurement officer who's going to do this for you know and we'll settle this and that's i mean that's how these things are done you know in the real world you know you well, get somebody a, who's in charge of that that's the funny thing though is that I, it, this is the second time i think so far in the sixth episode we, we've talked about so far where we've seen a mining planet and the yeah. first mining planet we saw was completely automated there were no uh workers there whatsoever yeah and on this mining planet apparently there are three of them well one of the implications in the show is that the miners are running it themselves because at one point you know mother's saying to you know the women like oh you know they're miners and you know they're you know because this is such a rare thing you know they're really rich and you know you're gonna live like queens you know and you know to get them excited now of course you know he's pt barnum so he's kind of you know Playing it up. How much of this is true and how much is not, we don't know. But, you know, no one would ever say, you know, well, you're going to be marrying a coal miner, so you're going to be really rich, you know. You know, even, you know, in gold miners back in the day, you figure, like, well, they're working for a company, you know. The implication here is that they're not working specifically for a company. They're just three guys who started mining. And I, I, I think that hits on something else, which is another reason why the episode doesn't really work. Because on the one hand, the episode wants to treat the women as intelligent and with it and they have a lot of common sense and yes they want to get off their boring planet and there's not a lot there for them and you know maybe they're 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 being a little too optimistic about the future in in regards to signing up with mud but on the other hand the the episode wants to portray them as naive yeah and i don't really think you can have it both ways yeah i mean the one minor who was the dick when i mean there was one scene where you know He's basically treating – okay, so they have this – this is another episode where turning old is – you know, they're using magic to not have the women be old. Yes, we shouldn't forget about that yes. point. So there's some kind of weird pills that he's giving him that – I think they're called Venus pills or yeah, something. something like yeah. that. And essentially what they do, they make the women, be, you know, young when at one point they're wearing off and they start – And they work very fast, by the way. Yeah, within like – <laughs> Ten seconds. They're like, whoa, we're beautiful again. But they also wear off very quickly too, like within, you know – a, a cut you know a couple of cuts and they're you know old women then um but yeah so they're taking these pills and but there's one scene where um you know the pills wearing off and the main woman and the main mine are like he's you know upset about her and like she's trying to like you know do shit for him like you know like oh let me cook you something let me you know and you know she says well what do you want do you want you know do you want just a beautiful woman or do you want a wife who's going to get things done you know and you know, basically, she's saying, look, I, I'm more than my beauty. You need me around for more than just a pretty face. You know, there's a lot to get done around a mining camp. And, you know, a lot that the, you know, and let's accept this for a moment. A lot into the role of a wife, you know, that she want, And, you know, she seems to want to fill that role for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, and he, you know, she's kind of influencing him to realize, like, yeah, okay, I need... I need not just a pretty woman, but a woman who will be a good partner for this. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I think there is and a, that was interesting. There's an element. There. There's an element of the show here, the specific episode where the the women are portrayed as definitely uh, they want to, you know, have some fun. They want to fulfill yeah. the miners. Let's say <laughs> the, the 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 minor minor, um, but they also want to cook and clean and take care of the the camp. Uh, and I think this kind of feeds into we pretty much talked about this so far in every episode about the weird sort of gender politics that are in Star Trek and um, they become a bit less 
important as the show goes on, but I think they're one of the more interesting things to talk about, at least in the early parts oh, yeah. of the show, where you had this idea, especially in the 60s, everyone knows you know, housewives were going to work and perhaps they weren't being fulfilled and the feminine mystique and all yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, so the idea that in the future, a woman could be second in command of a starship but also have such a terrible life that she would basically sign up to be transported to live on a harsh mining world. Yeah. And let's not forget, these are supposed to be old women. Yes. So they've probably had, what, you know, 60 years of of horrible lives before they actually go out. And how much longer are they going to live for? And yeah, and that's that's one implication. Like, have they, they, so they've, Assumedly not had children or also assumedly too old to have children. I think I don't know if the Venus pill can work that miracle. You know what I mean? Right. And would you want to have children on a planet like that? Exactly. Um, I don't know if you would. I mean, the episode doesn't really get into that, but that's kind of an that's an elephant in the room in this. You know, you get married, you have a kid, at least according to a traditional gender roles. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But the point is this episode had a lot more potential than it actually did the whole time i'm wondering well why should i give a shit i don't really i never felt like the stakes in this episode were anything why is it a problem you know i don't can never really figured out what mud did that was bad that kirk's holding him there i mean the one thing of course that mud did that captain kirk felt was his fault um he ran from captain kirk right yeah. and indirectly caused the Enterprise, to run out of power. So in that sense, I think Kirk felt that Mud, And then, of course, there was that whole courtroom scene where they're going over what happened. I love that oscilloscope lie detector, but towards the end, I wanted to punch it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And also, actually, the voice of the computer in this episode, I'm pretty sure, was uh, Majel Barrett. It was her already? Yeah, yeah. It was very annoying because she's doing the robot voice you are lying. No, you are telling the truth. Like, it is just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of those things that... It, it, you're right. The stakes feel low. There's really no danger. You, like the, They're talking about how the ship barely has enough power to get to this planet, barely has enough power to maintain a stable orbit, and yet they're they're dicking around with worrying about where the miners are and where the women are and what happened to mud. It's like, yeah, you know honestly, what? Just, just, just take the dilithium and yeah, go. They're, they're making this off the, the offer that gets brokered between mud and the miners is basically, okay, you know, we give you the women, we give you mud and, you know, we'll, you'll get this, these crystals and, you know, you'll be able to power your ship and this will not be a problem. Again, mud's a crook, but he's not a criminal. If you know what I mean? Like he's, He's not evil. He's just trying to make a quick buck, and eventually right. he'll get his. And it's just it, it, the getting the power and getting out of there is, you know, I see that as kind of a perfect solution. Like, okay, this this guy will be out of here. We'll be out of here. This is no longer our problem. They'll deal with it. You know, when the miners find out about these pills, and you know that mud basically scammed them. You know. They'll be all on that lonely planet dealing with that, you know, and it's not going to end well. And, you know, just but not, uh, you know, Kirk could have just very easily washed his hands of this. And he doesn't just because there would be no episode. It felt like that. That felt like the only reason that anything anyone was 
dicking around. You know? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's really weird too, right? Because they're taking these magic pills that are supposed to be making them young, but at, at the end, the big reveal is that they don't work. Yeah, and what was that? I didn't get, like, so it was like a Dumbo magic feather type of thing? I like, guess and so, they just, but... just, like, had psychic... Because, yeah. <laughs> it does, it's never really explained. Like, apparently they just, um, they, 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 I guess in my, in my notes, I wrote the power of confidence, right? Like, they thought that the pills were working, and so they, by force of thinking they were more attractive, actually were making themselves more attractive to other people because they were feeling more confident. Which I, you know, to a degree, you know, is a thing. I mean, you have somebody whose, you know, body language is uncomfortable and, you know, muttering as, you know, but you have a woman who, you know, strides confidently, knows that everyone's going to be like, yeah, like, yes, those things are going to. I think it could have been a much more interesting episode if we hadn't had those earlier scenes of them transforming, right? Yeah. Because that was very obvious. Like, these I was like, actresses, you see them actually. Right. Like, these actresses were in old person, ugly makeup. Yeah. And then over the course of five seconds, they, they looked like the young, beautiful Hollywood actresses that they actually were. If they had either cast older women in yeah. these roles or left them with the makeup on. I think that would have been interesting, right? And so like that's kind of the problem yeah. I had with it. Like why put that weird special effects scene in if the pills are placebos? Yeah, again, you make cuz it's a mis- it's a misdirection to the audience. Yeah. And it makes me feel like I can't trust the show. Yeah, again, it but it it just seemed like there was something else like because you know this universe this this show has very much established by this point that there is such thing as psychic powers in this in this universe, and that psychic powers can do such things as you know clouding one's mind or you know planting suggestions into people and making per- people perceive the world differently. And one of the implications is that either they're using this their own you know that they have some kind of latent powers like that, which are either physically transforming them or sending a projection into the world. It's unclear which. Um, yeah, I don't... I mean, I never. I didn't really pick up on that, and I mean, I think that's an interesting idea. I mean, it would have made sense if, like, you had, like, your her, you know, talking to one of the women or something like that, and you have a brief POV shot and the woman is older or, you know, more haggard-looking or whatever. Again, that idea of, you know, casting an older actress, you know, just having her, you know, she walks in, she's wearing a different hairstyle and having, you know makeup on or in just a different body language, you know, would be one thing. And then, you know, during the transformation scene, she's just has no makeup on and slumping, you know, that would be enough. That would be in, more interesting. That would make more of the point that I think, you know, again, it's about confidence in your own, you know, personality and all of that stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's a good, that point. would be and a I, better moral, I guess, for the episode. Right. I, I actually think that that might be an episode that I would like to watch. Unfortunately, we got this episode, yeah. right. And, you know, that's not the end of the world. Every once in a while, you get a, a crappy episode. Um, yeah. But it's just, it, it, it feels like a weird episode, especially early on, because most of the main characters are not in the episode very much. I mean, even yeah. Kirk isn't in the episode very much. It's a lot of like, it, it almost feels like an episode. It feels like one of those backdoor pilots. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you know I get what you mean. Like, yeah, that, that, like, that, 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 you know, the mud show. Right, exactly. Know? This was a backdoor pilot like for had, Harry Mudd. It feels like they had, yeah, this character. And he is, uh, I mean, again, just his outfit makes you watch him. So, yeah, but it, it seems like they had the character and they just kind of had to shoehorn him in. This seems like the something the network mandated. I don't know. 
I mean, his later appearances are a little better because, of course, he's in The Trouble with Dribbles, which is a classic episode. So, Oh, I didn't know that was him. Okay. Is that him? Maybe I'm making that up. I mean, it's his basic role, again. Uh, I think it is him. Scammy, I, I, scammy space crook. Yeah. I want to say it's him. We'll find yeah. out when we get to The Trouble if with Dribbles. If there's a buck to me made, mud is there, you know, is the implication. I... S- so on Sulu Watch for this week. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, there is one moment. So these women have come in and like every guy like just can't stop staring at the, you know, them. They think they're just, you know, the most beautiful women ever. And they, um, and there's one scene where Sulu has a, his friend who is, again, another younger, you know, handsome man. And the guy's going off. Oh, they're so attractive. and They're so beautiful, you know, and. Sulu is saying, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. And while manhandling this guy, while grabbing him on the arm, while, like, physically leading him away, Sulu appears to be immune to it, and he's touching another dude. Again, Sulu is a gay character on this show. This is another bit of evidence to the pile. He could just like to manhandle his male friends. Well, I like to manhandle my male friends. I'm gay. (laughs) Don't touch me. I, not all of my friends. I'm, I'm gay. I'm not indiscriminate. Oh, oh, thank yeah. you. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm still not buying it, but whatever. Well, um, I just have one more thing about Mud's women, and uh, you know, we talked earlier about the the weird lack of control that Kirk has over the situation and over the miners in particular. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about it is he pretty much threatens them, right? Because he says, "Okay, I need this dilithium. You need protection." The next time that you're being attacked or you need something or you need supplies, maybe we won't come. Like, is Kirk the godfather? Yeah. I uh, thought that was very strange. That's, uh, yeah. And again, who is, you know, who who is in ultimate charge of the Enterprise? Because, again, if it's a military... uh, operation and they're explicitly you know he's given orders okay well this mining planet's in danger you know go to is he implying he's not going to follow his orders or he's going to like you know because either he's going to completely ignore it or say oh well when we got there it was you know like that's which would be a major offense for anyone military to do number one um yeah and you won't really see that sort of thing again i mean kirk as a character does defy orders quite a bit but yes he, he I think what you're for the right reason type of thing, right? What you're really seeing in these early episodes is that the the characters still aren't well defined. And Kirk has a sort of personal moral code that trumps orders and, and and trumps that sort of command structure. I, I can't see Kirk resolving the situation in this way even, you know, 10 or 15 episodes down the line. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, it just seems like for whatever reason, you know, all he all he cares about is uh the you know, the arrest of Mud. All he cares in this episode is, you know, I don't care, you know, I need to arrest this guy by any means necessary. It's almost like given given yeah, given the low level that he is, it's really weird that he's fixing it. It's very, you know, Inspector Javert, he's almost on this. I mean, you 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 have talked about on, on previous episodes about, you know, wh- what might happen if the show had been made, you know, in the present day or yeah. 10 years ago. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things is you could you could even say like very easily you could slot in something where Kirk and Mud had some sort of past history. Yeah. And and this is why Kirk is so intent on on 
sending Mudd to jail. Yeah, exactly. You know, if he had, you know, brokered a deal that screwed Kirk over or maybe, you know, Kirk's hometown, you know, Mudd was from there, you know, he devastated that town or, you know, he sold his women to some town and, you know, then everything exploded. Something like that, yeah, would make sense. It's just, I don't, he's much more, he's much less dangerous than the episode treats him. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's pretty much a, yeah. a good a good capper for the entire discussion. I mean, the whole episode is a little less dangerous than they think it is. Yeah. You know, Bud's at the end of the day a bad person, but he's so damn likable you can't really hate him. And he's that... got that <laughs> and he's got that kick-ass handlebar mustache, that's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to what our little girls made of, the episode <laughs> title that I can never remember. Yeah. This is... Oh, wait, we didn't rate the episode. Oh, right, yes, okay. I would give Mud's Ribbon three tribbles. Three tribbles, all Because right. one tribble is for his shirt. Oh, I can see that, definitely. Yeah. It, this is a two-tribble episode if he was wearing a different outfit. There's there's totally a reason why I call him Mud <laughs> Space Perry Mud Space Pimp. I mean, well, just, yeah. specifically, my notes say, holy fuck, I love this gay pirate. It's <laughs> exactly what I said, but my reaction was. Gay pirate, space pimp. I can see either one. <laughs> Yeah. I guess I'll give it three as well. Space pimping ain't easy. I can't see it getting four, <laughs> and so three is fine for me as well. Okay. All right, so let's move on to What Are Little Girls Made Of, which is probably the worst episode that we have seen so far. It turns out that little girls are made of half-assed transhumanist philosophy and poor special effects. What can you say about this episode? Uh, Ted it, Cassidy. It's boring. Ted Cassidy. That That was the only part I liked. Who is Ted Cassidy? Lurch. You right. Oh, right. Yeah, the, right. The, 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 the big robot. Yeah. <laughs> I think, okay, so part of the problem with this episode is that it is dependent on a love interest that we have never seen before <laughs> for a character that we have seen once before. Yeah. So Nurse Chapel, the Enterprise is traveling to a planet where Nurse Chapel's uh, fiance, who has disappeared and no one has heard from him in a few years, went to study uh, ruins, right? He's, a, he's yeah. a space archaeologist, basically. And the entire episode kind of takes place on this planet mainly. And it's another one of those episodes where you don't really see a lot from the other characters, which yeah. I think is interesting. And it doesn't really take place on the Enterprise. Um, most of the most of the main action takes place you know, on this planet yeah. in these ruins. So I think one of the one of the main problems with the episode is just that there there's no dramatic interest there. We don't care about Nurse Chapel. We don't care about the love interest. It, creepy things are going on, and it it from from the point of view of fifty years, you know, in the future, um, I think you can. This is one of the episodes which really does not deserve its fifty minute running time. Yeah. You can kind of see there's some padding there, like. There's weird mysteries that are drawn out for no real reason just because the episode needs to last a certain amount of time. Yeah, they kill two red shirts instead of just one, and it's like – it kind of – it feels redundant, you know, that they have. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. By the way, is there some kind of like over under drinking game for like till a red shirt gets killed? Like, is there something? Oh, I'm sure there is. I, I, because I'm absolutely <laughs> sure there is. There must be. Because I'm just waiting. Like, it, that's the moment the episode begins for me. Yeah, right, just, right. The, throughout there, I'm just kind of like chatting to people. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just watching this show. I don't know. It's just chapels babbling about some show. Oh, hang on. Guy's getting killed. Got it. Got it. Got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start paying attention now. Yeah, no one got killed in Mud's Women. 
No, no one did get May, killed. I wonder. We, we will look at this later. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to do like a. Maybe we'll do like a recap of the first season at some yeah. point once oh, we're all God. done. And we'll just <laughs> go, okay, what well, the state of the state of Trek about? You know, we'll check in after <laughs> every season. We will trek in every season. There you go. Yeah. So uh, the big reveal, of course, is that uh, the people are androids. Yeah. And who who saw that? Who didn't see that coming when, you know, the main guy was a robot the whole time? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not a great episode. The, the, the planet was abandoned by these people that they call the Old Ones. And, of course, they were able to build androids, and apparently the androids destroyed them. Uh, Lurch was the last android that yes. survived. Is that right? And yeah, so then this doctor began to study them or something. And apparently, to make an android, you put a dude on a on a revolving thing. You, and put, you a, put like a thing of clay on the other. It, you spin it really fast, and then you have an android. You put a dude on one side, clay on the other side of a of a lazy Susan. Yes, <laughs> spin it really fast, and then you get an android. Yeah. And also, apparently, the person who is being made into an android can interject thoughts into the android, which I also thought was really interesting. Yeah, that, that's just... <laughs> uh, Roger Corby, who's the love interest, of course, makes a beautiful android woman, which is creepy. But everyone's surprised when he all but says, you know, well, I had it for companionship. Everyone's like, what? That's a sex bot? And I'm like, yeah, the second I saw her i'm like okay sex bot i mean i'd make a sex bot you'd make a sex bot of course I'd if make we a could sex make bot. bots we would that would be the fir- by the way i've gotten a great idea synthetic pets because that's i think what ai technology should be used for because i mean you would be happy to have like a pet that does everything you know that a dog does except like not the bad stuff like he wouldn't bark too much you don't need to feed it you know it doesn't poop i don't know i think that would be kind of boring but you know that but you could there could be a model that you can feed. Life needs a little bit of a- adversity to be interesting. Oh, I don't need it. I would be I don't like having to worry every time I go away, you know, what's going to happen to rabbit. Like if I could just like turn her off for the weekend, it'd be so much better. Maybe. So anyway, I don't remember where that came from. Sex bot. I sex would make bot. a sex bot. You, I would totally make a sex bot. You would totally make a sex bot. Anybody who could make a bot would make a sex bot. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm don't know why everyone's so surprised. I would have just used Lurch as the sex bot. Well, but, yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> yeah, and so... Uh, of I would make a sex bot of myself. I would go on the Lazy Susan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little disturbing. I, 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 yes, it is. So, you know, the sort of the midpoint of the episode is, is Dr. Corby puts Kirk on the machine and makes a duplicate of Kirk to show, oh, well, the android, you can't really tell them apart. And there's this really... I would say, actually, this is a well-done scene. In hindsight, knowing, you know, 50 years of of television, we can sort of tease out a lot of it and see what's going to happen. But I think the scene where Kirk comes in and, you know, sits down and talking to Nurse Chapel and she doesn't know that he's the android. And the final line is... Well, androids don't eat Miss Chapel. Yeah, you know, that's I, I. I think that was well that was, done. It was good. Again, Shatner's not. You know, Shatner has his style, but when he's acting, he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. Yeah. You know? What I thought was hilarious about the scenes, of course, again, Corby comes out and he has Kirk and. He's put Kirk in his same pajamas, like he's given him in his extra pair. But um, which I always love when they do that. Like they always make the captors dressed in the same exact outfit. Right. But um. So Kirk sits down, and then they hand him another plate of food. And I thought, well, if androids don't eat, he didn't touch his own plate. 
Why why didn't they just give him that plate? Like it's a waste of food. This is a mining. This is like a desolate planet. Food can't be that scarce that, you know. Where do they get the food from? I, you know, I, I I maybe it's android food. But androids don't eat. Well, no, but the thing is you put like a plate of food on one side of lazy Susan <laughs> and clay on the other and it's indistinguishable. <laughs> like they've just been cooking the same there's just been daisy chaining a meal for the past like 20 years like that's that's the only thing they have to eat that would be disturbing if they ate the original maybe that's it the android had the original plate and if you eat it you can't make anymore that could be yeah uh, yeah so uh, there's a couple of good things about the episode i guess i mean like Kirk holding the cock-shaped rock. To I was about to. Yes, it's like that. I literally, I literally in my notes, I have Kirk attacking with a giant rock penis. I have Kirk is holding a cock-shaped rock. Yeah, that 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 happened. That happened. And then Corby later implies he has a robot penis. By the way, yes, he yeah, does. Yeah, I I don't want to know that. I mean, there's a couple of good moments to the episode. There's. I, what I really like about the episode, in, there's in two parts. One, from a script level, is that this is the first time that you see Kirk. Of course, he's going to try and use violence on a thing that is trying to kill him. Yeah. But at the same time, at the very end of the, the episode where you've got androids pulling guns out and shooting and, and, and you know aiming guns at different people and nobody's really sure who's an android and who's not, Kirk actually defeats the android with logic. Right? So yeah. he sort of like outthinks the android and talks to the android and is basically like, yo, dude, like, what you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, from the point of view of someone who just three episodes ago was talking about the man trap and how weird it was that Kirk was like, kill it, kill it, kill it. We have to kill it, even though it's very intelligent. Yeah. It's kind of a different person now. What do you think about that? Well, not necessarily, because there's a point when Corby, at, when he first is there Kobe's like look please just you know stay in here 24 hours and let you go I'll show you everything and Kirk's like no punch punch when meanwhile it's like okay well you know he doesn't know at this point that Corby's going to make the android he doesn't know you know that he's threatening at this point he's just been a crazy guy you know who's been just alone all these time and Kirk could either beam down now and say, yeah, there's a dude, and I don't really know the layout of the complex. I don't know how many robots he has, but he's bad, you know? Or he could say, all right, I'll take the tour, taking notes this entire time, go back to my ship and say, okay, here's the exact situation. Here's what we're working – like, it just seems he's been handed some reconnaissance on a silver platter, and he doesn't take it. Like, that weirded me out. I can see that. Uh, you know, I mean, Kirk is sort of a hothead. He doesn't have a lot of patience. Yeah, and I mean, no one wants to be captured. But again, this, is, this isn't this is just some guy who's been threatening him. He's uh, the fiancé of somebody that, you know, Kirk knows and works with and trusts. Yeah. And I mean, on the other hand, you could make the argument that, you know, Kirk is, is, a, is, a, is a man that, that understands dangerous situations. And, of course. And can read them and so knows that... Even if he does take the tour, as you say, yeah, Corby's not going to let him leave. Yeah, and so maybe he realizes that. I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating. Of course. Um, the other nice thing I think about the episode is that there are a lot of nice little character moments, and these are the best parts of the episode, yeah. right? So you've got the scene I mentioned before with with uh, Nurse Chapel and, and the Andrew oh yeah, that was, yeah. You've got this really nice scene at the very beginning of the episode. I think even before the uh, credits where um, Nurse Chapel and Kirk are on the bridge going down to the transporter room to beam down to the planet. And Uhura 
uh, runs over to um, Nurse Chapel and just gives her a little hug and a kiss. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I'm so excited for you. We're friends. Uh, you're 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 going to be reunited with your yeah. with her fiance. Like it's just a nice little moment. Yeah. And uh, of course, the final climax of the episode is that when Kirk is being duplicated, he kind of implants this, you know, uh, uh, anti-Vulcan. Yeah, like you half-breed, meddling half-breed. I think he calls them right. And at the very end of the episode, it's sort of I think it's pretty much spelled out. But the idea that Kirk realized, or not Kirk. Uh, Spock realized that something was wrong with Kirk when he beamed yeah. back to the ship because he he called him a half breed. Yeah, and that their their friendship is now well enough established that they understand each other to that degree. Yeah, that's something he would Kirk. You know, he he thinks something he would never say, and saying it puts up the red flag. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. There were a couple. Yeah, in that conversation between Chapel and uh, Android Kirk, like the moment that I really liked was, uh, you know, he says at one point, you know, well look say that there's the choice you know would you what is it if i ordered you to attack corby or to do something that you know would you know or to not interfere if i'm attacking you know would you listen to that order and she very swiftly says just don't make me make that choice you know because and i like that because it's yeah she's genuinely conflicting you know she respects kirk and knows that he's not going to make an order with you know randomly and but she also knows that you know she does still love corby at this point at least um I like and, and I like, but of course it was Android Kirk the whole time, and you know that was. But I, I think that's a genuine expression of loyalty and conflict from her. Yeah, and I think you know, I, you know, I said before that I didn't really, you know, part of the episode is uninteresting because we're not really invested in any of these characters and the long lost love of Nurse Chapel. Yeah. But I think that scene goes a long way towards selling it. Yeah, really. that's why you know that's how someone would feel. Yeah, of and course. I think that's a legitimate conflict. What I thought was very interesting about the episode, um, so at the beginning of this episode, uh, he's talking to her, and he basically says, you know, you were this brilliant researcher. She had some kind of very uh, elaborate, sciencey type of job. You know, he's, he's explicitly saying, say, you know, you were very smart, and now you're a nurse on a starship. And, you know, she explicitly, you know, she says, yeah, it's because I want to find him, and I figure, you know, this is the best chance, you know, because I'll be able to see what that honestly made me think of was in Mass Effect the character of Dr. Chakwas, who's basically – she's a very similar character. And at one point you can have a conversation with her. I think in the first game where she says, you know, yeah, you know, she was, again, a very promising researcher, could have had this, you know, really great, interesting career back on, you know, a planet and, you know, made a lot of money and, you know, done all these things. And she explicitly says, no, you know – I wanted the adventure. I wanted the, you know, I feel like I want to do my part and that, you know, patching up soldiers is on a starship is, you know, where I feel the most fulfilled and what I think is the most interesting and exciting. Um, so, you, again, let's talk from a gender politics point of view. Uh, you know, that character is going for the adventure of it and finding fulfillment in the life of starship. Nurse Chapel gave up everything for her man. Yeah, yeah. I That's – and – there you go right there yeah <laughs> shows you sort of how gender politics have evolved in the past 50 years now of course at the end of the episode it is revealed that you know he's dead and uh so she therefore has no reason but you know she does assumingly continue on so obviously she's found something to which i also i, I mean I, for. I, I not to go too far down a mass effect rat hole but i i, I, yeah. I always thought that dr chocolates was a lesbian so you know she's one of my favorite characters i like, I really like her. Her, you know, 
it, it's one of those you can read her as a lesbian, but either you know, either way, it's completely irrelevant to you know her role in the you know the plot. She is you know that I I love that you know you get this relationship with her through the course of the three games. You know that develops, but anyway, yeah, we could go a lot of Mass Effect battles yeah. and. Which is not a ridiculous thing, since obviously Mass Effect is heavily Star Trek. Oh, movies. absolutely! You know, it, yeah. That's one of its probably the number one. You know, when you, you list its influences, Star Trek, Star Wars, Babylon Five. You know, that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there, and I think there's something to it. But I also think that if you look at it from the point of view of uh, Corby, right? He was dying. And basically transferred his consciousness and memories into an android. But there's this great line in the episode where they say basically, you know, androids can't love and what is love. And, you know, it's all that kind of like Star Trek on your on your sleeve kind of thing. But if you look at it from the point of view of what you just said, Nurse Chapel leaves a very promising career, a very lucrative career, probably. Uh, to join a starship and chase after her her fiance, her man. I mean, again, as a nurse, we 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 need to make because yeah. if she was the ship's doctor. That would be a different thing. That would be like, okay, well, you know, but you're not really losing any prestige. Yeah, it's a much more Spartan life or whatever. But you know, you're still in charge of shit. Right, right. If you look at it from the flip side of Roger Corby being trapped as an android without the ability to remember the love he had for nurse chapel. Yeah. It's almost like an inverse of that, but I don't think the, I think the whole androids don't love thing. I think the episode kind of implies that that's not correct because you have the sex bot seems to be, you know, at the very end, she's getting all conflicted and she kisses Kirk and she's like saying, you know, there's a solace, but you can very see that like, and you know, she as an actress is, you know, getting upset by things. And at the end, she, you know, kills the core be- Corby bot and herself um and very as much it's very clear that this robot has fallen in love with this other robot and is i i think part of it is she realizes that this is never you know nothing's gonna happen and that he's fucked up too much you know and they just need to get rid of this you that, know? this that, needs to stop that could be or it could just be the fact that william shatner kirk is so virile well yeah that he turns androids the fuck on. Uh, I think that I, it's really hard to turn android devices on because all they do is crash. But um, <laughs> There's a running theme in this series that I'm seeing, and this is another example of it. Creating, and I don't know if we talked about this, creating your own world is a very, 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 very bad thing. Every time somebody has the power to create a situation that's for themselves, and you have these little isolated planets where somebody's done that. Um, turns this, out to be a, a shit e- show. It's always evil. Like that always leads to evil. So it's very, I find that, you know, isolation and independence leads to, you know, leads to violence is, I, I find that a troubling theme of this show. Uh, it's a lot more collectivist than I think a lot of people talk because, you know, oh, absolutely you, you need to be within the structures of this starship thing to be good is what it's implying. Yeah. And I, that's, that's something that I've never understood about Star Trek particularly. Um, and I don't want to, there's not a politics, not politics discussion, but you know, one of the things about Star Trek, of course, especially the later, the later series is that they, they do sort of, you know, portray this, this, this sort of almost uh, socialist utopia and, you know, how, how do you be a Star Trek fan, um, and, 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 and be 
a, a conservative or a libertarian. It yeah. makes no sense <laughs> to me. But we'll leave that on the table. Um, yeah, and I think that's true, right? Like, there's the idea that there's a mo- there's a moderating influence that other people have on you, and there's a moderating influence that being part of a large society has on you. Yeah, that when you get trapped or or even voluntarily make your own little world, it causes you to go basically insane. I mean, I know that the um, you know, the Kirk Spock uh, Bones dynamic is viewed Freudian, you know, as the ed ego super ego. This. All of these little planets are just total id and ego without the superego moderating. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the the show says that without civilization, there is no superego, which is actually in Freudian terms correct uh, because, you know, superego is a product of culture and civilization. But uh, yeah, that's that's one of the main themes of that I'm finding over and over again. You know, life without a superego is, is, is ultimately evil. Hmm. Well, I think it's a good place to leave it. Good. I give this episode two tribbles out. It's funny. Talking about it seems like it's a much more interesting episode than it actually was. Yeah, it's not a very interesting episode to watch, and I think there are long stretches of it that are very boring. Yeah. But there is a lot to talk about here, and I think that's a sign of a, that's a, sign of a quality television program. Yeah, I didn't realize where transhumanism was at... Uh, this point in you know in the 1960s like i thought that was a more recent concept but i mean not obviously really this is a very basic version of it and you know i'm sure you know i, I mean when was stranger in a strange land published uh, i mean that's one of the seminal like you know <laughs> yeah you haven't read a lot of i was gonna say i i don't read classic Heinlein. sci-fi usually so that's a lot of that's part of why i don't necessarily know these things yeah um, i mean I, i'm pretty sure stranger in a strange land was published in the 60s so and yeah, that book is sci-fi that, sci-fi for me doesn't get better to like the 80s and 90s when like the writing quality gets better but well that's why you read you need to read Heinlein. yeah okay I've there's been, a yeah. lot of literary sci-fi yeah from, from before that time oh i know that. that you're missing out oh on. i know certainly um so but if if you know it, 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 we can go down to that a little bit more, yeah. but you know we're not going. And to. you know I also find that a lot of the classic sci-fi is a bit more functional in its writing. Like uh, you know Asimov is a great writer, but he's also very you know he he has a much more simpler style than I normally go for. I like the frills. Yeah, that that's true. But I think you yeah, have to look. But at, of course, you, sci-fi was always about the ideas rather than the ornateness. Of you have the to aesthetic. look at Heinlein. You have yeah. to read Heinlein. Okay, that, that's fine. All. I've been telling you to read Heinlein for how long? Uh, wait, he wrote, I tried to read Starship Troopers and I just didn't click for me. Starship Troopers is not his best book. But that was the one you lent me. Why did you lend me that one? Well, because it's an easy read. A boring read. All right, well. Nah. Um, anyway, I'll, so yeah, I'll, I'll two this, tribbles. I'll give this episode three. Really? Yeah. I it, Two tribbles is way too low because when we get to the third season, man, you are going to regret giving this episode two tribbles. Oh, no. You're going to start giving episodes negative tribbles. No, there should never be negative tribbles because they're wonderful. Like, we have negative tribbles right now, and it sucks. It does. It does suck. I really wish we had more tribbles. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about tribbles. They (laughs) always make more. (laughs) So next week, we will discuss Miri and Dagger of the Mind. Which are these, again are these terrible episodes too? I honestly don't remember. Miri, I think, is okay. Dagger of the Mind, I don't remember so much. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've got a bit of a hump to get through. And seems uh, like that. Like I I'm so far like 
I, I'm not getting the show like completely. Like I'm liking certain episodes, but as a whole, it kind of sucks. The, the back half of the season is much better because we're going to start I getting figure. into balance of ter- balance of terror, and we're going to start getting into uh, space seed. Um, we're going to start getting into city on the edge of forever. Okay. There, there are a lot of really good, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. I figure a lot of it was, uh, you know, getting in, figuring the characters out better, getting better writers and stuff. But one thing the show has been very good at is getting really hot women on it. Well, like every guest star lady has been really pretty. It was the sixties in Hollywood. There was no shortage of hot women. That's true. All right, so um, if you have any uh, want to talk to us, you can just uh, Twitter me, Eric Brazier, because I don't want to hear your emails. Yeah. I just don't want emails. Don't email me, please. Just emails of pictures of tribbles or whatever. There you go. No, I don't want email. Don't I want just... emails of pictures well, of tribbles. Well, give them your email address I don't then. Really have an email address. Well, there you go. Yeah. So d- don't email us. Okay. Bye. But, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next week.